Hey everyone, welcome to Bombing in the Am with Scoops and the Wolf. Even though Alex and I technically have today off of work, but when you don't check to see you have a day off work, are you really allowed to take a day off work? I mean, yes. The answer to that question is yes. You are, in fact, still allowed to take that day off from work. But uh, considering we had already scheduled things for this Monday morning like idiots that we are, uh, we decided, why not? Just go ahead with it. Let's just do it. Fuck it. Why not? Yeah. So fortunately, uh, we are still able to have a morning show uh, today, uh, joined by Alex and also all the way from Seattle, uh, Zoe Quinn, designer of Depression Quest, who is out in uh, Seattle right now uh, for the recently finished uh, Steam Dev Day. So thanks for joining us, Zoe. That would be you, <laughs> I, I like that. I like your very earnest response to that. Just really happy to be here, happy mm. to be invited. I may have just chugged a latte, so very happy about everything right now. Excellent. Yeah. This should go well. <laughs> doesn't matter what it is. doesn't matter if you're launching a pizza into space. You're going to be happy about it. Would, but, would you not be happy about launching a pizza into space? Really? You're right. You're right. I, don't, I didn't mean to call into question the prospect of a, a pizza slice being sent into space. Is, is the greater hope that someone traveling through space will then find said pizza and then eat it, or what, what's the goal there? Man, I don't know. What's the science of a pizza slice going through the atmosphere on its way out? I feel like that would do gnarly things to a pizza. Well, you see, since it's shaped like a triangle, it's aerodynamic. Mm, okay. Uh-huh, and it's, it then turns into frozen pizza, and that's, where, uh, that's what you buy in grocery stores when it comes back down to Earth. It's a... Uh, <laughs> I have Holy no shit. idea. I've been, I've been eating space pizza the whole time. Uh, Vacuum yeah. frozen pizza. Damn. Learning things. See, this is why we have guests on to yep. uh, inform us of these subtle nuances in life that I just don't know. I just don't know anything about because I just stay in yeah, all day and I, and I play Dark Souls and it's I don't leave the house. I just play <laughs> Dark Souls and that's just my life right now. That's just my life right now. Alex, did you play anything this weekend? Uh, not a whole lot. Uh, I'm I mostly dedicated my weekend to to football as as one does when one is into that sort of thing. But I did play some Broken Age. Uh, finally got started in on that. Uh, played through the 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 girls section uh, of her her storyline and. You know, I gotta say, uh, despite the fact that everyone kept telling me, "Wow, this is a really great great point and click adventure game," uh, I did not sit there and actually ponder how much of a point and click adventure game that was going to be before I actually started in on it, uh, which. Is not a bad thing. It's fine. It was just sort of like, oh wow, this is really a point-and-click adventure game. They just they just made that, and uh, you know, obviously those guys are are good at making those kinds of games. So you know, what I what I've played of it so far, I've enjoyed quite a lot, uh, especially for you know, kind of the visuals and the the dialogue and stuff, which is you know what everyone's kind of been celebrating about that game. I would probably agree that so far the puzzles have seemed a little on the simple side, but not bad by any stretch. And you know what I have played of it thus far, I've actually really liked. So, is there yeah. a, a part of it that you know when, when you mentioned being like, oh, this is an adventure game? Like, is there an aspect of that genre that you had sort of forgotten about that I mean, was kind of triggered? The whole, you know, you were presented with an area and you have to go through different sections of that area to find the items you have to combine to get to the next solution kind of thing. You know, I haven't played one of those games in probably at least a couple of years or at least like a real serious one. So, you know, the whole... The, the mechanics of, of point-and-click are pu puzzles where you, you know... There are a lot of disparate elements that you have to kind of piece together and put into, you know, the, the proper solutions was not necessarily what I was expecting, but I don't even know what I was expecting going into that game. I kind of read as much or as little as possible about it because I kind of want to be surprised by it, and 
I was, but pleasantly. So you know, I've I've been I've been digging it. Well, it seems like you know, we call Telltale Games, uh, Telltale Games games. Uh, we call them adventure games, but yeah. you know, when we think of a traditional point-and-click adventure game, which is sort of a lot of where that term comes from, uh, it involves a, a great many uh, nuances that just aren't present in in the sure. games that Telltale makes these days. You know, Telltale has, uh, you know, in The Walking Dead and The Wolf Among Us, uh, there are elements of that stuff, but it has been stripped down and simplified to the point that I guess it doesn't shock me too much that that you would suddenly be like, oh wait, this is how one of these goes when you actually yeah play yeah. One I mean, game. other than that. Other than that train puzzle in Walking Dead Season 1, which was kind of like that, there really wasn't very much of that in any of those, and The Wolf Among Us doesn't really have much of that either. So, yeah, it, just, it, just, it was just sort of like a, a, an immediate reminder of, oh, right, that's how these games go. But uh, not in a bad way, because, you know, I mean, those the worst of that genre could get really, you know, up its own ass with trying to make those things kind of, you know, opaque and difficult to, to mm-hmm. deal with. This game it does not do that at all, as far as I can tell, so I've had no problem with it thus far. And man, it is gorgeous. That is a fucking gorgeous looking game. Yeah, that is, I think that is the, the impression it leaves uh, right away, and I'm, I'm looking yeah. forward to, like, some day in the future where I'm done with Dark Souls and then I play other games. Like, I don't, it's <laughs> unclear when that day will be. Actually, I'm hoping it might be at the end of today, after we conclude this show, uh, I'm planning on using the rest of uh, of my day off to just like I looked at a fact and I'm at mm-hmm. I'm in like the last sixth of that game. So that could that could mean a whole lot of things. That could be like another sure. 15 hours for for all I know. But I'm at least there is an end in sight. Like uh, mm. it's it's off in the distance. It's full of yelling and swearing and other horrible nightmares. But I'm, I'm making progress. I'm making progress. But I, I mostly played uh, that this weekend. But I also uh, I played Spelunky uh, while uh, the football games were As happening one does. on Sunday. Uh, that's kind of my MO is that when I'm not doing the daily stuff uh, on the site, uh, that I play the Vita version uh, on the couch and just kind of experiment with different uh, techniques that I'm too scared to try when I'm actually uh, being watched by a bunch of people. Uh, and I managed to be Olmec. Experimental we, we, spelunky. Yeah, it's it's pretty gross. Like I don't, Ugh. you know, I don't. It's, I don't want to get into the details, but some of my techniques after I uh, hung out with Dave Lang and he showed me how to play spelunky, it it gets weird real fast. Yeah, and, I would think so. So you know, one of the paths to finish spelunky is to beat Olmec, uh, who is kind of the traditional first boss that you can run into and uh, trigger an end state for the game. And I managed to do that, which uh, for most people uh, who play spelunky hardcore. Uh, merely is when you've proven that you have a fundamental grasp of the mechanics, and then the real game begins uh, to go after Yama, who is the secret second boss, mm. um, that you can't even access the area that he's in except to get to the first boss and ride the first boss down to a secret elevator or a secret room as he is dying. It's ridiculous. So I'm not looking forward to doing that at all, um, which is to say I'm, I'm really looking forward to, yeah. to doing all of that, but uh, Zoe, you're in Seattle and it is early morning, and you're getting ready to to fly back home because you were uh, there for the the Steam Dev Days, a two day conference, uh, the first of what I assume will be an annual thing going forward, where they all get a bunch of developers together to well do a bunch of stuff that you can't really tell us about. But how was the experience of going out to like this very specific sort of Steam focused conference? It was pretty cool. Um... Like, it's uh, always good to be surrounded by a bunch of talented game developers. Uh, like, that's sort of the, the thing that, um, it's the thing that sort of recharges me 
as a as a developer, and I always find that I come away with it with new contacts, new potential collaborators, and um, new ideas. And it was really cool to be able to get more focused info on uh, you know since now that I'm working with Steam to put a game on it, it's pretty good to uh, <clears throat> have a bit more technical info and depth and being able to have people to uh, talk to about possibly, you know, hey, if I, I have questions about how to do this. Is that cool? Um, how, how could I do that? Um, because Steam's always been very um, helpful anytime I've had to uh, talk to them about anything at all. So it's been pretty cool. Um, yeah. It, it seems like that, you know, things like GDC, things like Steam Dev Days, like, you know, whatever you get out of the information that's actually presented there, like obviously that's 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 useful for for one reason or another. But uh, it's that experience of getting together with folks and actually like like we mentioned when we started the the, the video call of like oh cool now we've at least seen each other's faces in a way that isn't a Twitter avatar. Uh, it's you know actually connecting with folks that you know we talk with so we you know we have so many friends online these days. Uh, but it's you know things like those conferences that give us a chance to to actually meet with those folks and kind of connect. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, honestly, um, I feel bad for saying this, but I didn't. I, I spent a lot more time uh, talking with other desi uh, designers and developers than I did actually going to talks. Uh, <laughs> this is kind of a thing that ends up happening, and I didn't feel too bad because, like, I'm going to be able to, like, look back on stuff later and ask other people who did go what happened. But um, most, like, these events are always really good for... Um, I always come away from them feeling really excited, and that's why... There's, you know, there's terms like post-GDC depression is a commonly thrown term around where if you say it to another developer, they probably know exactly what you mean. Mm -hmm. um, just because you end up surrounded by these amazing, talented people who get what you do and are similarly crazy because we all work entirely too hard and all the frickin' time. Um, it's just so cool and beneficial to be surrounded by people like that that get it. Yeah, and, and, and I imagine, you know, there's, there's certainly this feeling that what technology allows us these days is to do so much, you know, sort of remotely or from any place. You know, you can collaborate with folks in all different parts of the world, and you can kind of get away from, you know, to the traditional idea of having to, to be around all those people all the time in order to, to make things or be friends with people. But you definitely realize when you have those those conferences or those those moments when you get, you get to come together and actually, like, connect with those folks, like, what exactly you do totally miss by not being in the same room with those people at the same time. Yeah, it's funny, like, um, I've made games with people before without ever having met them, and then, like, ended up meeting them at, at things like this and being like, oh my god, it's we made a thing together that was pretty weird <laughs> that we're just meeting now. Like, I've never high-fived you properly for that. Let's do that. Um, and, and things, like, uh, it can be go in reverse. It's like, there are things that don't get communicated over the internet, um, and sometimes when you meet face-to-face, -face, you're like, uh, somebody you've kind of talked to, you get talking to in some context like this, and it's like, oh my god, you're actually really, really cool. Like, <laughs> you're a cool person. This is great. This works out. Yeah, yeah. thank you for just being randomly awesome, because like, we were, like, we've only ever talked in the PR, oh, hello, I am so-and-so, this is what I do, oh, I'm so this is what I do, but once like it's five in the morning and you've been up for three days straight... And like the the silly conversations start happening, you can find out you had something really cool in common with someone you um, were on, only aware of as a, as a, an acquaintance before that. So that's always really cool. I guess the the question that uh, one of them I'd have to ask because uh, it's kind of the the question that a lot of folks that haven't had a chance to check one out uh, is that you know 
you were there at the dev days. We know that you got one of them Steam controllers, as did a bunch of other developers. Like, what do you what do you think of that thing? Have you had a chance to, to kind of mess with that at all, and and sort of form any sort of opinion about it? Um, th- this thing. Ah, oh, you monster! I, yeah, I guess that thing. <laughs> oh, huh? No, I've never seen one in my life. I don't know what you're talking about. No opinion whatsoever. <laughs> no, no opinion whatsoever. Um, I haven't got around, gotten to screw around with it much, so I don't feel like I can really give an opinion on that. Um, but I'm really looking forward to being able to uh, come away from this and have things to mess with. So where where are you at in the sort of you know you you had depression quest go through the green light process, which you know that whole process you know could be even its own conversation. But where where are you at in terms of sort of getting the game prepped to go on Steam? Like what what actually has to occur there uh, for you to feel comfortable? You know, kind of putting that game up there. Well, it's it's tricky because there hasn't um, there's no established roadmap uh, for uh, specifically the port that I have to do because it's not like I just um, I have an executable file or something uh, that I can just slap an API into with a like it's it say it was a Unity game. There's like a thousand Unity people I can talk to that'd be like, oh yeah, we've been through this. Here's what you do here. This is a problem you might hit here. But there hasn't been a Twine game on Steam before. Um, so I'm, I'm kind of uh, sort of trying to figure that out, um, how the best way to do that is, um, and, and trying to rigorously document everything that works that doesn't work so that um, whoever comes next might have an easier time. Um, but there's like a, a couple different ways I'm looking at doing it, and I'm uh, well, the reason I haven't um, really set a launch date yet is I want to make sure that I can find the best one. And I've also got several translations in the works, so there's going to be more languages uh, which will also be retroactively added to the web-based version, and a couple of accessibility improvements to make sure that people who, you know, m- might be low-sighted have a, uh, a decent uh, time with putting screen readers on it, um, various just accessibility and language, and, po- and like, I'd like to add a little bit more polish, too, just because um, any time I come back to any game I've worked on ever, I'm like, oh, I should just do this. Just do this. <laughs> well, it's never, it's never done. You just decide... Never. Oh man, I just need to put this thing out so I can work on something else. Yeah, or because it's good enough. Because like perfect is the enemy of good, right? So right. you can mess with something forever, and then oh hey look, you have this thing that's hypothetically really cool, then we'll never see the light of day. Hey, um, that's what screwed over Chinese democracy, man. He just wouldn't let it go, <laughs> and then you know look what that turned into. So I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> it's a slippery slope. Is it? Is it? Is it? You know that temptation that you talk about to go and kind of tinker and and mess with something like is that a little bit greater now that like you know you kind of put it out you know people responded to it and now you're doing this port where you've got to kind of like re-examine it and you're translating it like you're kind of looking at it in totality uh, in addition to sort of like the emotional hump that you and your team went through to to get that game even on this service and to get it to this place like. Do you find that there's a greater desire to go in there or to, to look at things and be like, we really need to change this, this didn't work, like our players didn't respond to this part um, Like as you as you go through the, the porting part? Um, actually, not even a little. Hmm. Um, the, the, it, it's tricky because like this game is such a product of the time that I made it. Like <laughs> I made this game because I didn't get a job at a game studio that I thought I was going to get, that it seemed like I was going to get because of some legal... Stuff where it's like, oh, we you seem to be kind of high risk, and like I had invested a long time into that. I just moved to Boston, so I didn't like know anybody. Um, I was uh, <laughs> actually the day um, the day that I made the trailer, I had gotten sort of fired from my crappy minimum wage coffee house job, 
and had pneumonia and wasn't sure um, what I was going to do because I basically got fired because I wanted to go to the doctor. America! Yeah. <laughs> and... Yeah, so I went home and I made a trailer where my, if you look close, you can see that my eyes are red. Like, that's not fake, right? No makeup, yeah. no stage makeup, no Tom no. Savini coming in and, and doing up your eyes. You weren't yeah. doing it a bit. Yeah, right? It, like, it was as much concept of trying to communicate um, an interesting trailer type thing through, uh, because nobody wants to watch a video of interactive fiction, um, to try and sort of communicate the concept, as well as I thought it was really important for me to be um, incredibly, uh, sort of, uh, I guess, a weird thought, but aggressively vulnerable and aggressively honest about all this, and as well as kind of calling myself out of my own BS and uh, setting a date. Um, so it's like, that all is so incredibly personal and such, a, like, I'm doing better now. Um, mm -hmm. And it's hard to go back to that. It's hard to revisit that. Like, going back in and editing these passages where I remember I'd have to put them down for days because it would just spiral out of me, me writing and berating myself. Uh, it's like, going back to that is hard. It's really hard. Like, since finishing the game, I haven't wanted to look at it um, again, and especially because this is my side project. I thought maybe five people would play it, and <laughs> like, it was all this stuff, right? It's like, it's, and it's the first um, game that was bigger than like a, a little jam game that I've ever shipped. Um, so going back and messing with it is really hard. And like the chief, um, the chief complaints we've had about it were that oh the character's unrelatable because the person has like a significant other and a job and stuff like that, which was a calculated risk in, t in designing the narrative that way. But we can't really examine how depression can impact those things and, and like take it away from somebody if we don't put it there in the first place. Right. As well as like trying to make sure that um, we communicate the fact that depression is a mental illness and not necessarily determined by the circumstances of your life, like having a girlfriend doesn't magically cure your brain chemistry. Um, <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> oh no! Wait, what's going on? Did Danny just start die, a bomb? Die! Die! <laughs> oh god. I, li I like that. Is, is maybe Danny is, is there in the background, like just in case things get too serious, he yeah. can just play a funny sound effect and then just cut right through the tension. Perfect. <laughs> I couldn't have said it better myself. Uh, I was just going to comment on what you said uh, the, the last bit. Uh, I don't necessarily think that the, the notion that you know the character in that game has a girlfriend or you know a significant other and a, a job is you know inherently false because I mean I so I played the game. I have depression, uh, and if anything, that kind of gave me a much more immediate sort of like personal you know connection to that because that is the exact same situation I'm in. I have a job. I have a significant other who sometimes who, you know, also suffers from depression, but at the same time, you know, sometimes has to deal with my bullshit uh, on top of everything else. So, I mean, I, don't, I, I guess maybe personally I don't even understand that criticism because it's not like people who have depression are inherently incapable of, you know, achieving those, those basic life goals. It's that they sometimes have a hard time maintaining them. You know, it's a hard time keeping them going and not, you know, doing things to kind of self-destruct. Exactly, and that's why I feel like it wasn't a failure. I mean, they're, and we're very open about the fact that we were not trying to say this is the definitive depression experience. It's not even my yeah. definitive depression experience. Like I've had no luck with with therapy and no luck with with medication. Like that just does not work for me. And it, it was and like at the time I didn't really have the supportive partner. So actually sitting there and writing these these encounters where the person, uh, this fictional person, um, that was sort of like an amalgamation of things, was saying all the things that I, I wished I would hear was like one of the hardest things to get through 
Um, so like I don't I don't feel that was a failure though, and then like uh, so I, I agree with you. It's it is it's just whenever you release something like this, um, everybody has an opinion, and right. um, I, and I think it's it's not wrong to see something that is that deeply personal and that deeply uh, non-fictional in a, in a way um, and go and want it to have represented you better. Like, I absolutely mm -hmm. can sympathize with that. But at the same time, as a creator, it's also my story, too. You know, it's it's a, it's an outstretched hand. It's not, like, the definitive experience. And uh, it, it's, it's, it's funny, because you never know how people are going to take that. And the other calculated risk was leaving the main character genderless, um, explicitly genderless, like, not putting that in the game mm -hmm. at all. Um, and, and seeing that not really land, like, a lot of people just assume, even though, like, a, a queer lady wrote it, that I'm going for a straight white male, and it's just like... Right. It's like, I, I kind of feel really weird about the fact that people, are, like, I've had one or two women contact me and be like, I couldn't empathize with the main character because this person was seeing a woman, and I, I guess I think that's icky, and it's like, that's re that really sucks, and yeah. I thought maybe I could put a selectable thing in there, and I'm like, no, actually... This is personal. It's a very explicitly personal game, and I don't think it's wrong to to put a little bit of myself in there. And I don't think it's wrong to for any artist to do that, right? No, not at all. And I think if anything, that sort of you know heightens the experience because you know if you're just building from you know non experiences, then you're not going to get something that has as much impact as something that has actually personally you know touched and affected you. Because but you know if you're able to express that clearly in that in that form you know that that can have a real impact and I you know for me it did I'm glad to hear that it's just um I it, it's uh it's hard because like just the nature of the thing you can't possibly even hope to encompass everybody's experiences right especially because it's like it, it's not like any one specific person gets depression it's just so it doesn't care about who you are right it just happens. Right. and um that I guess that was kind of one of the messages we wanted to relate to the game too so I think that like not like pulling a punch because that would be me pulling a punch, and you can't do that with personal games. That would I, I'd feel so freaking dishonest if if I did, right? Yeah. And even when it was like writing an experience um, that wasn't personally like like writing experiences where they had the super caring partner or writing where the experiences where they had the, even the sibling, it wasn't even like that's still not being dishonest because it's like. In that circumstance, it's like examining what I wish I had. You know, those feelings are still a hundred percent legitimate and a hundred percent there. Um, so it's like a tricky line to walk. To walk, but and I, I just feel it's very important to. Um, I, I feel like it would make me kind of full of shit if I was going to make this really, really personal and honest, uh, soul-bearing type thing, and then pull punches at the last minute just because um, people don't want to empathize with. Uh, <laughs> Certain, sure. certain orientations or sure. can't, like, I, I feel like that's kind of a thing we should just sort of try and move past. Mm -hmm. I have to imagine that maybe some of the reason that you get, like, really strong emotional responses from people that, you know, say they can't empathize uh, with, with the character or their situation based on however they, you know, looked at the game is also reflective of the fact that there just, just isn't that much stuff like this out there. Like, I think right. part of the reason Depression Quest hit, other than just being it's a good game and, and a very interesting uh, and empathetic experience for, for folks that, you know, don't go through that personally. It's also just, it's not like there's a large body of work for, for folks to pull from. So I think part of the reason that maybe you see folks having an emotional response is because they find this thing and then maybe they, they can invest themselves in it because it's not like they have alternatives to go to, you know, 
click here to see related depression related video games uh, that allow you to yeah. you know experience the thing that you go through every day uh, but that, that your chosen medium uh, the one that you prefer you know basically uh, doesn't ignore but is certainly not a topic that video games touch on uh, very seriously very often honestly um, I think that can kind of be a good thing uh, in that I hope like the best outcome for that is that somebody goes I could do that better or mm -hmm. somebody goes oh that I want to tell my story now and then they do like I would love to see that like if you don't like I, I would love for the takeaway to be like hey maybe the person that feels like I got it wrong or that they had something more or different to say I would absolutely love 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 to see more games like it more game more stories because everybody's got at least one story in them that nobody else can tell and um, and God, if, if you're watching this and you want to make a game that's about your own experiences and you need help, please get in touch. I will abs my door is absolutely open, and I'd like I'd love to see more variety of everything in games because it's just such a cool medium and everything is possible. Be careful what you wish for because now the sprawling open world depression <laughs> game from EA is going to be coming next year. So you know, watch out for that. Huh. It's just the, a really flat plane, and that's all there is. It's a single-player MMO. Yeah, it, it's a huge variety of characters all just kind of standing around frowning. <laughs> uh, you know, one of the things that uh, someone... Let me... So I can credit them. Uh, da, 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 da. Let me find it. Uh, oh, okay, yeah. Uh, Parallax Abstraction on Twitter asks, uh, for Zoe, how did you go about learning Twine? Uh, just self-taught and experimentation, or are there available learning resources to help folks that are just getting started? Um, absolutely both. Like One of the nicest things about Twine is that there is an immense community that likes to just put out all the things that they've learned at all times. Uh, and Anthropy has a great um, Twine resource uh, that can teach you Twine in about half an hour. Um, Porpentine's got a, a Twine resource repository with a bunch of links to um, source code, macros, all of the kinds of things you could want. Um, there's also uh, Twine threads on Twitter that you can talk to. Um, I'm actually I'm going to um, I'm working on putting together a database of uh, developers and other games people that are open for questions and comments, and that you can just ask for help on Twitter. Um, that should be out relatively soon, as well as like posting my posting a bunch of links uh, myself to just like helpful stuff like that as much as I can find. Um, so yeah, so start with, start with uh, those those couples of things, and again, feel free to talk to me. I, I will yell at me on Twitter, and I'll send you some links. Um, yeah. Um, yeah, and and also I think one of the things that I would point out to to folks like when I when I was on a flight. Uh, to a conference last year, like I just made a quick Twine game about my experience just going there. It was just an experiment. Like it was, it was nothing uh, particularly ambitious. But you know, one of the things I think that you know, Twine is is definitely starting to evolve in some interesting directions where you can do more than just text to it. And folks are adding, you know, you know, a lot of like some, some sort of AV layers to it that almost give like Twine with production values. But I should, you know, express to folks that if you just, you know, if, if all you want to do is write, like just doing that part of building a Twine game could not be easier. Like it is literally drag and drop and like going in and fiddling with a few basic menus. And so if you just have a story you want to express uh, and then maybe you look at some of these and like you're getting into some of the more advanced ways of enhancing the experience, like, just the writing part is not difficult. It, it is literally something you can pick up in about five minutes and then start, you know, figuring out 
how to express your story. And at some point, like, then you actually have to figure out like how you want to express it in the way that Twine allows you to do that, which you know I definitely found to be certainly the most challenging part of that is is kind of the formatting. Has that become sort of the you know design or mechanic of of whatever you're trying to express is exactly how people go about clicking on it and and sort of the journey they go through there. Yeah, and I, I think that uh, Twine's a very interesting tool, if nothing else, because it does have that extremely low barrier to entry. I mean, it's free. It runs on, like, friggin' everything. And it outputs to an HTML file, which is instantly shareable. Um, and even if you don't know anything about web development, you can just drag your the uh, file it outputs onto a server, and you're done. And there's also um, other places that will host fine games for you. But at the same time, it's also a fairly robust tool if you want to break it, because if you can put custom JavaScript in there, custom CSS, uh, Depression Quest itself sort of messes with the node structure to make it sort of act like an, an object-oriented system. Um, it, there's three m music tracks playing simultaneously on each page, and one of them is generated dynamically based on your depression levels. The other one's generated dynamically based on your current location and the type of encounter. Um, the, the images are controlled, the, the animations of the images are controlled via variables that you store in the text. Like, you can do a lot of stuff with Twine. Yeah, it, it, it is, you know, truly interesting because I think it allows, it, it sort of flattens the medium in a really interesting way to allow people to tell stories that, you know, I think, you know, part of the reason that you don't see a lot of this in, you know, more traditional games, if we're to use that term, is just finding ways to express that uh, is, is difficult. And in writing, which is a way that a lot of us sort of express ourselves and sort of the daily struggles, uh, is a natural extension uh, that that makes itself you know pretty clear to sort of talk about some some ideas that maybe are you know we're not quite there to express them in in sort of what we expect from more traditional games. Um, but one of the things that uh, some folks are mentioning uh, to me is that they're like, oh, I'm so excited to to buy it on Steam. But correct me if I'm wrong, but you're you're going to be offering this game for free, right? Well, yes. Um, yes, I am going to be offering it for free. We will likely be putting a very unobtrusive, off to the side on the first and probably the last page. If you feel like supporting the game, here's, like, you can button, like an in-app thing, I guess. Um, primarily just because, like, this does go forward to making more projects like this. And I know I get frustrated when I see uh, someone doing good work that I, I wish I could support. Um, so I'm just trying to not be totally self-effacing and uh, dorky about that. Um, and I feel like, um, but outside of that, like, yeah, downloading it's going to be free. You never have to pay for it. I never want people to have to pay for this game ever. Um, that's not what it's about. And if there's, like, I would be devastated if there was somebody out there that could legitimately be helped by it or feel less alone for even five minutes that just didn't have, like, a couple bucks. Like, screw that. Like, if you if this can help, like, that's the whole reason I'm putting it on, on Greenlight, or I guess on Steam now um, in the first place was to sort of, um, try and help anybody that could potentially be helped, which is already a weird thought. I never thought it could help people with the game. <laughs> um, I, I never thought it would work, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it, it's uh, it's very important to I think the spirit of the game and to um, my own personal side of ethics to make sure there's not no paywall and to make it as easy as possible for people to get it if if it can help them. Even just it's just making it possible. Yeah, I have a, uh, a feature um, based on a, a conversation with Porpentine that I had uh, a month or two back that's going up on the site this week, and that's that's one of the things that she, you know, was like very, in, you know, 
very insistent about about you know how the struggle between the fact that she wants to to you know be a game developer, a game designer for a living, but contrasting that against wanting to release her work for free, uh, so that as many people can experience it uh, as possible. Because you know she you know she's well aware of you know the struggles of being an independent um, person and and trying to 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 experience things, but also you know you need money to do those things. But you know finding finding that fine line where you can offer your stuff. Uh, but also, hopefully, if people are interested, giving back a little so you can keep doing it. Uh, seems like that's that, that's a that's a pretty difficult struggle. It, it absolutely is, especially if you want to do stuff that's like sort of trying to reach out and, and help people, or even just kind of weird, or even if you're just a new developer, uh, like I am. Like it's um, it's a uh, really, 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 really hard for me to accept or ask uh, for anything from anybody at this point. But at the end of the day, like it's. I, I, I still think that on some level um, I, I still want to be able to make my next game, right? I still think that is worthwhile legitimately, um, which is a hard thing to say because I've struggled with some massive self-esteem issues. Fucking surprise, creator of depression class <laughs> has self-esteem um, What, it didn't solve everything? I thought once you get on green light, then your life is just like a golden path to heaven. Well, green path to heaven. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, um, yeah, it's it's really it's really hard to ask for money um, at all, or even be open to accept it, especially because, you know, it's just it seems to seem it just seems to be that much more complicated. But um, I, I think I do still have some good games in me, and it's just accepting the fact that um, I do want to see them come out, and uh, I, I I do want to be able to keep doing this for the rest of my life. Um, and I, I do like uh, I, I have this horrible habit where I need to eat. Um, Weird. And like, yeah, I got over that a while ago. I mean, do do a little Google search. You can find a way to just stop eating. I just like to master cleanse a lot. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it's it's like trying to be okay with asking for that. Just asking, hey, please let me um, not work my face off like eighty hours a week for no dollars. <laughs> well, that's it's kind of the American dream, right there. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah, it's a really high demand uh, that you're asking for this ability to consume food. Yeah, um, and it sounds like such a dumb thing, but like, because a lot of people don't have that problem. But I don't know. I, I think um, I think there's plenty of people who do. It's 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 yeah. It's it's. I think it's. I think it's certainly uh, potentially assumed that if you're releasing games, you're an independent game designer. Uh, that. Oh well, you, you know, why else would you be doing that unless you've got all those other things covered? And that's just not necessarily the case for a lot of folks. No, it's it's not even remotely the case for a lot of folks. I mean, some of like I don't have like I, I know some people have like families and stuff that they can go back to if stuff gets really bad. I don't. I don't have like I can't go live with my parents for a little bit, or I can't. I can't even. I don't even have some place I could go and be like, yo, can I get? Do you mind like loaning me like a couple bucks for rent this month because I'm short. Like I don't have that. So if I fail at this, I'm so massively screwed. You know, so and then I'm so far from the only person who is in that situation. Like, there's there's plenty of people who don't have any have much of a safety net, and and it sucks to see people, um, other people, uh, struggle with that because it, it's like it shouldn't it shouldn't be it shouldn't make you feel bad to be like I worked really hard on this. Is are you cool with helping me continue to do this? 
you know. It's, it's, it seems like that's uh, you know potentially one of the ways to solve this is this this Patreon service that uh, a lot of independent designers and and writers, especially in games, it seems like uh, are kind of hopping on where you know people sign up and say, look, we want to you know be patrons. We want to give you money if you create a thing, and you don't have to come out and ask for the money after you've released it. Yeah. Um, and so that sort of removes a bit of the barrier, which is that that feeling of guilt when you've spent your time sacrificing to make something, and then you need the money afterwards so that you can you know go on to to the next thing. Whereas you know Patreon just sort of suggests that look, here's the money, here's where you know you're going to get, so you can budget it out, so you know how much time you have, and that when you do release it, you know uh, shortly thereafter. You know, you're going to get X amount of money that you've you've managed to to raise and have people pledge. And I think that's a really interesting way to sort of maybe address some of these issues. But it also requires that you know at some point you become a developer of prominence enough that people are willing to you know pledge money to you, which is not not everyone certainly. Yeah, I mean, I'm lucky that like Patreon pays my basic needs right now. Like, I'm almost up to the point where I can also afford food off of that. Um, <laughs> But like I, I, I get to make, I, I make a, uh, it's it's for my project Tidbites. I, I release a small game uh, once every two weeks, um, like a uh, sort of like a web comic, but playable. Mm-hmm. And um, I've wanted to do that for a while, and I, I had been working on it before Patreon became a thing. And then just being like, oh my god, wait, this is sustainable. I just thought I would be working for nothing. That and I was like freaking out and being like. Oh my god! I'm gonna have to get like I'm gonna have to do so much more work. That's gonna screw up all of my other projects. It's gonna <laughs> add like, another one year onto my dev time for my main project right now. Like that that would suck, right? But Patreon makes it so that I can do what uh, what I love and and full like full on do it. Which is like when you're well, you can plan like you like you have a foundation yeah. to build off. It's like okay, this part is covered. Yeah, I don't need to worry about that. You know, just like a regular paycheck allows you to. To budget around, you know, what you can make possible. Yeah, and and though that does make me really worried because it's like Patreon's still kind of a new and untested thing, and um, with a lot of stuff like this, um, there's there's bubbles, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm also simultaneously worried that, you know, people are just going to pull their pledges or or whatever, you know, it's gonna that I'm going to be watching the ground underneath my feet slowly shrink on that one. Um, so I. I'm not sure. It's risky to plan on that being there always, even past one month, right? Because um, it's it's just new. Who knows if like a lot of things start up and fail, and and there's sure. no telling if this is just another one of those things. I hope it's not, because like the amount of freedom and um, just basic security that uh, people otherwise make on um, like sort of the fringes making weird stuff would lose is I feel like. The industry would be way worse off for that, um, and, and that would really suck to see that just dry up and vanish. Um, so it, it's it's hard, man, because like it's it's something that I'm looking at right now as something that just worst case scenario, planning on it not always being there or not even being there for that long, and just trying to um, get my main project going in the meantime. But even just having that runway, um, mm-hmm. that's like. <laughs> It's been so ridiculously helpful in it, like just not even for not even just for my mental state, but just like knowing that there's going to be money in your bank account uh, like next week is not yeah. something that I've 
been afforded in my career as an independent game developer thus far is just, oh man, I hope <laughs> just like doing a lot of this and just working your face off and never shutting up about your game. Whereas this is this actually it feels like I have uh, a job, <laughs> like an actual capital J job instead of the lunacy of screaming at small glowing rectangles for 80 hours a week and hoping something good comes out of it. <laughs> well, and, and, I, and I imagine like the, you know, not having that foundation, you know, w when you're sitting around trying to, you know, be creative for, for lack of a better phrasing of it, but like, you know, making a game, you know, trying to come up with new ideas, like when you have in the back of your head all of these like basic need requirements that you're worried about, like, you know, that, that, that seems like that would make trying to do that part really difficult. Like, how are you supposed to sit here and make the game that is supposed to solve the problems of these basic requirements when you don't know if this game is going to be any good and people are going to want it or buy it or, you know, pledge to it so that you can get all that other stuff. Like, it, just, it seems like the two ideas work against each other when you don't have that sort of basic foundation to work off of. Plus, your work suffers because then it's like, can I really afford to do this specific kind of weird, untested thing? Or do I just have to scrap it and not push that envelope because I, at the end of the day, I still need to eat. I, I'm still, <laughs> the, the bills are not going away. Um, so I feel like having something like this in place is really good for opening it up for other people to experiment, for people to experiment a bit more and be able to take, uh, to make some more risky decisions like, like tidbites would never happen. It wouldn't be sustainable at all. And um, I, I think there's absolutely room for weird little games that you interact with, with for like one to five minutes, get something out of them, move on. Yeah, and uh, it's it's been pretty amazing to watch the, uh, the the sort of like the the response to when you managed to announce that you know you guys had had made it through the the green light process because. I think it's a really important moment, but like for for the service and and what it means for the service to to have a game like that, because I know you know you are not the only developer to have this problem uh, when going through the greenlight process of you know folks get very clingy to this idea of you know what is a game, what kind of games should should uh, you know that that term should be allowed on on something uh, like Steam and. I think it's a really important moment for Depression Quest to get through because I think for all sorts of reasons, uh, it, it represents uh, a real widening of what's possible to be on that service and the fact that, you know, Steam is looked at as a service that, you know, you can make serious, you know, money on and a lot of developers have done that and, you know, it's a little bit harder to do these days as more and more games get accepted but nonetheless, it is a, it is a vitally important platform to uh, the ecosystem because you have 65 million people with linked credit cards that are, are able to support and, and buy these games from developers and, and having something like Depression Quest on there, I think, is just a really encouraging development for other folks knowing that they could also do that too and that, you know, there can be different types of experiences on there because there's nothing forcing you to add it to your Steam account. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Especially since it's free. Yeah, right. But you see, this game isn't a game enough... Um, going to get mad about that, not the fact that there's just software and a movie. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, it, yeah, I, I constantly struggle with, with, with that. We've, we've talked about that on, on previous shows. You know, I, I tend to try and think that the, the argument being made there when folks get really caught up in the, is this a game argument, is that, you know, they, they think by certain games getting celebrated uh, or put on a, on a pedestal, uh, is that that takes away from the game's they like, uh, or the games that they want to be made, and I just, I just, 
I think that's a disingenuous argument. Uh, I don't think that's the case. I don't think if there were a hundred depression quests, that means there aren't going to be, you know, a hundred Call of Duties or you know whatever equivalent that uh, that person is hoping for. But you know, it's 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 tough because that greenlight process, you know, on paper sounds uh, like a really interesting way to to have creators and players interact uh, to reflect what's in the marketplace, but it also seems to have put a, a lot of power in uh, the hands of folks uh, to determine what is and isn't a game that I, I don't know if it's their call to make. Well, I think the, fun, the fundamental problem with the whole argument is where it, it seems to be deflecting. Um, like, I, don't, I don't think what is actually being argued is, is this a game or not. I think that the anxiety people feel over it probably comes from worrying about uh, curation. Um, mm -hmm. Because the fact is, there is a buttload of games, which is awesome, um, and people want to be able to find them, and visibility is a big thing for indies. It's it's like a mm -hmm. main currency um, is visibility and, and exposure. Um, and, and Steam used to be a bit a, a harder, since it's harder to get into, it's it means more, and, and stuff like that. Um, so it seems like the the issue is less um, like, like the issue is one of finding a good way to curate content. Honestly, I'd love to see um, I'd love to see more uh, games press step up to that. If that is a thing that they'd be interested in going and doing and being like, these are the games that we uh, highly recommend based on these criteria. I think there's like that there could be a really good um, market or I guess not market, but niche for that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. It becomes uh, more wide open because um, like, there's certainly room for tastemakers and content curators and I don't think that should solely be left up to Steam because it's just, I, I like I like more custom, just as a consumer, I like more customized game suggestions. You know, like if I'm like, oh, I like how this person suggests weird stuff. It's like, oh, look, they have a list of weird stuff I should check out. Or I feel like reading or playing a game that I just get to do stupid crap like launch a jet into the moon. Like, I would love to see something <laughs> like that, you know? Now this is me trying to see what would be on what's on weirdstuff.com. <laughs> <laughs> trying to see if that site is taken. Well, I have I to imagine. Well, yep, yep. It's weird stuff a is bad just idea a... to be going looking for explicitly weird stuff on the internet. <laughs> might be biting off more than you should here. Weird... That's never a good rabbit hole to tumble down. Ooh. Weird stuff is a like recycling and remarketing of high technology since 1986. They just sell like <laughs> chipsets, like used chipsets. That's, That's not really nearly boring. weird enough. Internet. When I go to a site called Weird Stuff. I want more than used computer parts. You're you're yeah. playing with fire here, man. I know, you're, I know. I'm not going I won't do a Google image search. I feel like that. Oh no. I've got safe search off, and <laughs> I think I want safe search on when I do a search for, for weird stuff. Yeah. Um. Well, Zoe, it's been awesome having you on. I I want. Uh, like, what else are you working on? Where can people check out what you are doing and continue to follow you? You know, well past this morning show. Well, I, uh, I release a small little interactive thing or card game or whatever the hell, basically weird little things uh, once every two weeks over at Tidbytes, uh, which is T-I-D-B-Y-T dot E-S, um, and that's, uh, that's always free. Um, I'm also working on a more long-term project called It's Not Okay, Keep It, uh, which is sort of a satirical look at the way that we form uh, connections and relations on and uh, online and offline and how being more 
technologically connected than ever um, doesn't necessarily change the fact that we're really bad at actually interacting and connecting, and that that's still a problem. Um, and, and in other ways, has made it like way more uh, accessible and awesome. And just sort of looking at the roles that um, that uh, being able to use the internet plays, just in how we relate to one another and can get over our own isolation and figure ourselves out. Um, so that, that's uh, that's my more long-term project, and I'll be talking about it a lot more in months to come. But right now, I'm currently in the scheming phases of how to um, how do I want to talk about that. Um, but it's it's been it's been in development. It is absolutely happening. It's not vaporware. It's not an idea. It, I am butt deep in chat logs right now. <laughs> <laughs> like you can't see it. It's just words from like <laughs> down, just tons of words. So if you like. Games about feelings with stupid amounts of words in them. I'm your girl. But you are deep. you are making games for me right now. That's what <laughs> you're doing. But deep in chat dialogues. See, mm -hmm. you should put that. You know, if you ever need to put together a resume again, just make sure and just like expert at being butt deep uh, in chat dialogues. I mean, that's professional windbag. Exactly. <laughs> uh, Alex, is there is there anything else you want you wanted to touch on? No, um, I think. Uh, I think I'm, I'm I'm feeling pretty good right now. Cool. Uh, and Zoe, is there anything else you know? Anything else you want to point people to before uh, before we wrap up, or anything else you you wanted to mention? Um, uh, uh, I don't know. That's perfect. That's perfect. <laughs> good. That's perfect. Uh, you're also on Twitter. It's just at is at Zoe Quinn. Is that uh, Quinzel? Quinzel. There's another Zoe Quinn that has my username on like everything. Um, <laughs> Murder. Murder. Them. I know, right? And she's not even using it. Um, so it's at Zoe Quinn, uh, Z-E-L. So like Harleen Quinzel, Batman joke, nobody ever gets that I thought. No, I got it. Nobody ever gets that. Like so many people think my actual last name is Quinzel, and I wish that I thought of something more clever, just added more ends at the end or something. <laughs> awesome. Well, we really appreciate you getting up early uh, over in Seattle uh, to, <laughs> to hang out with us. Yeah, <laughs> definitely haven't been awake for like 48 hours at this point. Okay, way. all right. Hey, either way, I appreciate you staying <laughs> up for 48 hours so that you could be uh, in prime condition uh, to join us on, on the show this morning. We sincerely appreciate it. You know, everyone, I highly recommend uh, whether, uh, you know, it's something you're dealing with or not, uh, Depression Quest is uh, highly, highly recommended uh, to check right. out, whether you do so on, on Steam when it's there uh, or uh, right now in its web form. It's uh, an incredibly interesting experience that... Uh, it will definitely uh, leave you with a lot to think about uh, at the end uh, in, in ways that uh, I wish more games did uh, more often. So uh, thank you for that, Zoe, and uh, thanks for, for joining us this morning. Thanks for having me on. It's always good to talk to you guys.